Okay, hello everybody. Today is Thursday. Welcome to this episode on the disappearance of Donna Lass. This is going to be part of a regular series here on Black Box Online Radio, and you'll see that this is listed as part two. But if you haven't heard part one yet, that's fine. You can keep listening. These are meant to be standalone episodes as well as part of an ongoing series. But before we begin, I have a couple of announcements. The first is that there will be a five-part series coming out on this channel about the Long Island serial killer, and that will begin next Monday. So next week there will not be an episode on the disappearance of Donna Lass, but the following week everything will be back to normal with Zodiac Mondays, the uh, AMA on Wednesday, True Crime Talk Radio, the disappearance of Donna Lass, and the Anything Goes Friday segment. So please look out for that in the future, and if you are listening to this at the well, well, distant future, I would invite you to check out that five-part series on the Long Island Serial Killer. For today, I would also want to point out that this episode will be available on Launchpad One. Launchpad One is the user-generated affiliate of Podcast One, and the best way you can support a show like Black Box Online Radio is just by listening to some more content, and you can do that with Launchpad One. Download the audio of this program as a podcast, take it on the go anywhere and anyhow, and another way to support the channel is by visiting the Teespring page. You can look at some of the merchandise, t-shirts, almost all sizes and colors are listed, and remember, being weird is not a crime. Now because this is part of an ongoing segment, ongoing series rather, I'll just give a small introduction in case you didn't catch last week's part one, and I'll go over to ZodiacKiller.com and look at the intro to the disappearance of Donna Lass. Missing person. Case number 70-6436. Donna Lass was last seen on September 6, 1970 at approximately 2 a.m. at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino in South Lake Tahoe, California. The circumstances of the disappearance are that Donna Lass, age 25, worked as a nurse in the Sahara. Her last entry was in the nurse's logbook at 1.50 a.m., and although her car was found parked at her apartment complex nearby in State Line, Nevada, she wasn't seen after leaving the Sahara. The next day, an unknown male called her landlord and employer, stating that Donna Lass would not be returning to work due to a family emergency. The call was a hoax, and there has been no trace of Donna Lass ever since. Was Donna Lass a Zodiac victim? And this is, a, I believe, Tom Voigt's assessment of this. Nothing solid connects Lass to the Zodiac case, other than perhaps the fact that she was living just a few blocks away from the scene of the Zodiac's October 11, 1969 murder of Paul Stein. A postcard supposedly from the Zodiac killer was received by the San Francisco Chronicle on March 22, 1971. Now, that date is, of course, very significant in the Zodiac Killer's world because March 22, 1970, the year before, was the date of the Kathleen Johns abduction, or attempted abduction, rather, off of Highway Route 132, where the uh, Zodiac Killer, or somebody, got Kathleen Johns and her baby into a car. He was the one who was telling her, hey, your wheel's loose. He tried to uh, mess around with the bolts and... Eventually, her, her wheel fell off. He got into, or she got into his car, rather, and they're driving down for a while, and she was able to get away from him. Then the perpetrator returned and set her car on fire. But that occurred March 22nd of 1970. One year later, you have this car being mailed. 
So um, this article continues here, saying that with the implication that Donna Lass was a murder victim, however, the postcard contained no proof as Zodiac was known for including, as far as the Zodiac being known for including proof, no things like, I'm going to state some facts that only I and the police know, or after the murder of Paul Stein on October 11th of 1969, then there is... Um, there's a piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt that's mailed in. Certainly nothing like that happened with the disappearance of Donna Lass, and she is an unconfirmed Zodiac victim. In 1999, a retired detective revealed to me that a former Zodiac investigator had admitted to forging the Donna Lass postcard. Now, in the true crime world, there are two major reasons why someone would do that. Not, not a whole lot of details there, but there are two major reasons why somebody would forge a card and claim that it was the Zodiac Killer. The first is it could be well-intentioned, that they're trying to bait the killer into writing more correspondences, or to reveal some information, or to just respond. Even if he just gets him to write another letter, then they're going to be able to learn a little bit more. And the second reason is not so well-intentioned, when someone just has this desire to insert themselves into the case, and they cannot get away from that type of power tripping that the Zodiac Killer probably experienced himself. The idea of, I want to write a weird, confusing message, and only I will know what it truly means. But uh, an interesting example of this as well is the 1978 letter, and there are two major suspects who are also, well, Zodiac sleuths, if, if you want to call them that. One is the investigator Dave Toski, he has been accused of forging the 1978 letter, and even Robert Graysmith has been accused of this as well in the um, book The Myth of the Zodiac Killer, also The Great Zodiac Killer Hoax of 1986. Robert Graysmith, author of the book Zodiac, is listed as an active participant in that theory, accused of writing the 1978 letter as well as the Melvin Belli letter. And yeah, saying that Graysmith was an active participant all the way back to 1969 when the crimes were happening, not being the killer himself, but assisting what is known as the Zodiac Killer hoax, and then he um, would have even written more than one letter, and goes on to write the book Zodiac in 1986 filled with lies and misinformation, but the thing he didn't account for is that the entire case file would eventually be made available to the general public. So I would definitely lean toward the latter option and that one, that this postcard that was mailed was perhaps someone trying to insert themselves into the case, or maybe it's both reasons, but definitely a selfish motivation there. Okay, so the um, conclusion that Tom Foyt has written is, the facts indicate that Lass was abducted after leaving her apartment, which is behavior the Zodiac never demonstrated, meaning following people home. The Zodiac would go out to Lover's Lanes or go to uh, downtown Presidio Heights, but not follow anyone home. Even if the Zodiac was responsible for the last postcard, it is still not proof that he abducted her. Donna Lass was not seen, though, outside of her apartment. She was last seen at the Sahara Hotel and Casino where she worked. And I will share a lot of things about that in this episode. But as for the um, location of where the abduction took place, it really is not even certain. I mean, it really isn't completely established that she was abducted at her apartment. I mean, her car was found there, and that is a major consistency that is found all throughout these articles. But um, it is just one thing that is not established yet, that she was abducted by the um, 
by the apartment complex or the hotel. And, well, how did her car get there if she's at work and then she leaves work and nobody sees her leaving? How did the car get back? We'll, we'll explore that in this episode. To answer the question about how could Donna Lass be abducted from the Sahara Casino, yet her car ending up at the apartment complex, well, I'll go over to a book review that was written for the book Decryption of the Donna Lass Code and 12 Victim Postcard. Actually, it says Victim 12 Postcard. My brain was moving a little bit too fast there. Yes, Decryption of the Donna Lass Code and Victim 12 Postcard by Lauren L. Swearingen. Swearingen. S-W-E-A-R-I-N-G-E-N. Okay, and as far as mispronouncing someone's names, I think we need to move on from that. Sorry, Lauren. And let's look at this post here that was written by Mark Twain, too. And it says, Donna Lass was last seen in South Lake Tahoe on Saturday, September 5th, 1970, the last full day of her life. She left her residence at the Monte Verde Apartments on Pioneer Trail Road, South Lake Tahoe, without her vehicle, and walked to work. Lass was a nurse at the Sahara Hotel Casino. On this particular day, she was on the night shift from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. Her last entry in the nurse's logbook that night was 1.50 a.m. Sunday, September 6, 1970. Harvey Hines, interviewed by the Tahoe Daily Tribune, stated, There was a lot of evidence inside the Sahara Tahoe Casino that she left directly from there. She was a very personal person, and she left a lot of personal items behind. An opened letter, a dirty uniform, and her logbook, with a pen dragged from the last word she wrote to the bottom of the page. She was not seen leaving the Sahara or seen by anyone any time afterwards. Her locked-up 1968 convertible was found parked at her apartment complex, which is consistent with the fact that she walked to work that day. No suspicious activity subsequent to September 6, 1970 had been reported on her credit cards or savings accounts. The next day, on Monday, September 7, 1970, an unknown male called her landlord and employer stating that Donna Lass would not be returning due to a family emergency. The call was determined to be a hoax. And there was a comment that came in last uh, week from Colonel Rev that said, I don't think it was a hoax. That's too much of a coincidence for that to have happened. And I do agree. I mean, when they say hoax, they mean there's no real family emergency. I believe Colonel Rev, though, meant that it seems like that person was the actual abductor, meaning it's almost beyond belief that there was a prank call that just said, Donna's not coming, she has a family emergency, and she was actually abducted. Either that person was the abductor or it was someone who had knowledge of the abduction. So um, in that regard, it's not a hoax, but they simply mean that there's no family emergency that took place. There was but no trace of Donna Lass ever since. A Zodiac encrypted message on a locally circulated reward poster was thought to perhaps give some clues to the location of her body, but her remains have never been found. Donna Lass may be the last suspected victim of the Zodiac killer. In addition to the Zodiac letter, about six months after the disappearance of Donna Lass, March 22, 1971, a Victim 12 regular four-cent postcard was sent to Paul Avery of the San Francisco Chronicle. The main picture on the postcard was taken from an advertisement for the Forest Pines condominiums. Embellished with lots of pasted text and now familiar Zodiac symbol, handwriting expert Sherwood Morrill 
of the State Bureau of Investigation and Identification confirmed that the address on the front was in the Zodiac's writing. However, investigators were not sure to this day if the postcard was directly related to the Donna Lass case or not. On December 27, 1974, a Christmas card was sent from the Zodiac Killer to the sister of Donna Lass, portraying three main trees covered in snow, with the central tree predominant in the picture. Once opened, it revealed a message that was part of the card itself. Holiday greetings and best wishes for a happy new year. Followed by the added handwriting in a distinctly cold and insensitive writing style. Best wishes, St. Donna and Guardian of the Pines. One more time, a thank you to Mark Twain, too. There are some major red flags that I'm noticing in this. The first is, someone also left a comment about how they thought that Donna Lass was abducted from the Sahara Hotel because of this line here about how the pen was dragged to the last word, from the last word she wrote to the bottom of the page. She was a very personal person and she left behind a lot of personal items, an unopened, an opened letter actually, a dirty uniform, and on her log a pen was dragged from the last word to the bottom of the page. Yeah, that would sound like a, uh, someone had interrupted her while she was writing her logbook, but I haven't seen a copy of this logbook yet and I would love to see that with my own eyes. As they say, seeing is believing because I'm just rather suspicious about that, that that wouldn't be discussed more thoroughly. Or why would there be this huge dispute if the police had this piece of info in their possession that um, certainly would indicate the, a sign of a struggle, even, if um, she's writing along. And um, on a podcast that I'm going to discuss later on, they were talking about how she w it says that it was actually interrupted mid-sentence. But the uh, next thing is, this actually provides... The name of Donna Lass's apartment complex, Monte Verde Apartments, it actually says, on Pioneer Trail Road in South Lake Tahoe. If you heard last week's episode, every source that you will find on Google, almost every single one, though, says that Donna Lass was not living in South Lake Tahoe and that she was living in um, State Line, Nevada. But I encountered a big discrepancy. It, I think it even says that here on ZodiacKiller.com. That, yeah, it says that and what, her, her car was parked at the apartment complex in nearby State Line. But it, does, uh, it doesn't actually list the um, location here. But if you go back and listen to last week's episode, you'll hear numerous, numerous articles about how – that I'm reading off about how Donna Lass worked in South Lake Tahoe and that she was living in State Line, Nevada. But this place posted – a, an address for Donna Lass's apartment complex, Pioneer Road, and the Monte Verde apartment complex. So I actually put in, it's actually spelled Monte Verde, M-O-N-T-E-V-E-R-D-I. There's still a Monte Verde apartment complex, but that is in South Lake Tahoe. Now, what's all this stuff about Donna Lass crossing the state line? Well, I tried to find the address for the Sahara Tahoe and Casino, of the Sahara Hotel and Casino. Um, both names are actually used, Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, as well as Sahara Ho Hotel and Casino, and the name has since changed. So the first one that I put in, the apartment complex name, and to the city center of South Lake Tahoe, because I didn't have an exact address, and it said the walking time there was 42 minutes. Bear in mind that Donna Lass would have gone... 
to work 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. She's working the evening night shift, 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., 42 minutes walk. Yeah, it's physically possible. I don't know who on earth would want to do that, let alone a 25-year-old woman. But I was like, I didn't have the exact address of the Sahara Hotel and Casino. So instead, I decided to keep looking for this address, and I found that the Sahara doesn't exactly exist under that name anymore. I mean, it appears the building is still there, but it has been taken over by the Hard Rock Hotel. Every source says that Donna lived in State Line, Nevada, and she went to work in South Lake Tahoe, California, but the Hard Rock Hotel is not located in South Lake Tahoe. It is um, in State Line, Nevada, and I know this isn't the biggest um, discovery in the world. I just wanted to set the record straight, if all of this is correct here. I mean, I didn't find anything about a Sahara Hotel and Casino in South Lake Tahoe. Instead, um, I mean, it's even posted on their Wikipedia page for the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, State Line, Nevada, formerly known as the Sahara or Sahara Tahoe, High Sierra, and Horizon Lake Tahoe. Remember, Donna last disappeared in 1970, September 6, 1970. From 1965 to 1983, the casino was known as the Sahara Tahoe. 83 to 90, it was known as the High Sierra. 1990 to 2014, it was the Horizon Lake Tahoe. And then it was the Park Tahoe in 2014. Now it is presently the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, of course. So, I got the address for that one. If that is the correct place, then I put that one into Google Maps and was trying to see, is that a reasonable distance that somebody would walk to work? And going from the apartment complex, the Monteverdi apartment complex on Pioneer, to the Hard Rock Hotel in State Line, Nevada, it is listed as a 16-minute walk. Okay, that is so much more reasonable to think that someone would be walking that distance. As I said, it's not the biggest um, discovery in the world, but you will encounter this if you're reading the stuff on Donna Lass. Everything says that she lived at this apartment complex in Nevada, but it seems like the apartment complex is in California, and the place of establish, like the establishment where she worked, her place of employment was in State Line, Nevada. Just wanted to be clear about that. But in addition to reading up on articles, I was also listening to some programs. I watched The Hunt for the Zodiac Killer on Don Alas, and I found a new podcast called The Trail Went Cold Podcast. It is hosted by a guy named Robin, and I'm going to be the first to admit his show is better than mine. Granted, this is an expansive deep dive segment where we're trying to look at many different aspects of the case, whereas his was talking about absolutely all the factoids at once, and I was just so impressed how he just went from all the major points just laid out so clearly. It's like a model of clarity. If you ever want to hear that one, the Trail Went Cold podcast. And on that show, I don't know if this was his intention, but he shared some things about the Zodiac Killer connection to the disappearance of Donna Lass. And the things he pointed out was that Donna Lass disappeared September 6, 1970. March 22, 1971. He was just reading off the facts. Someone mailed in this postcard that has the Zodiac symbol in the corner, and it features um, some condominiums. Then in 1974, she is identified by name as Saint Donna, or her first name is used. He's just reading off, like, the facts, and maybe... 
my brain was just connecting some things together, and I was like, wait a second. At first, Donna Lass disappears. Then somebody descends in a postcard relevant to Lake Tahoe. And the investigator's like, well, what is this? I mean, the Zodiac is talking about something that is going on in the Tahoe area. And the investigators were the ones that made the connection between that postcard and the disappearance of Donna Lass. Then, once that was already established, once it was already very well known that Donna Lass could be a Zodiac victim, four years later, somebody sends in the thing talking about peeking through the pines and um, St. Donna. So you can see that that is possibly how her name got into this, that the Zodiac Killer had no prior knowledge that Donna Lass was the person who was going to be connected to that card. And another thing that was brought up by, by Robin on the Trail Went Cold podcast is Donna Lass's disappearance has very few clues. It is an absolute cold case, and the reason why it has received so much media attention is because of this Zodiac Killer connection. And Tom Voigt even pointed that out in that post that I read off at the beginning. If the Zodiac Killer did indeed do something to Donna Lass, why the need to hide all of the details? Is the Zodiac just not going to announce things like he did before? I will state some facts that only I and the police know. Or like on a mail in a piece of physical evidence? If he, I mean, if he murdered her, wouldn't he have had access to some form of physical evidence, particularly a piece of her clothing? Most parties believe that Donna Lass um, has passed away, that she didn't run away to start a new life. And I did find one article, I can't remember which one exactly, or else I'd cite the source, but it said, even in the 1980s, I believe it was during the obituary of her mother, that uh, a line was um, added in there about how her, something about how her, she had a deceased daughter named Donna. I mean, the, the family accepted that she had passed away, or she was declared dead, rather. I would like to go over to an article from the Las Vegas Sun that was written by Gregory Crofton, and this is from the year 2000, so it's somewhat of an older article, but I would like to um, go through this one because I read this one in advance, and it says, South Lake Tahoe, California, was the Tahoe disappearance linked to the Zodiac Killer. Her bathroom light was on, and there were no signs of a struggle. Piles of clothes lay neatly folded in her new apartment, but 25-year-old Donna Lass never came home to put them away. Lass disappeared in 1970, working a late-night shift at a satellite casino nursing station. Thirty years later, little progress has been made in solving the mystery, but South Shore detectives have been investigating Lass's case since August, thinking she might have been a victim of the serial killer, the Zodiac. The killer sent dozens of letters to several California newspapers that began the wor with the words, This is the Zodiac speaking. I mean, we should also point out the Zodiac didn't always do that, and especially not in the first letter, but even in the 1974 Exorcist letter, only sometimes. They were also filled with astrologic-type coded messages. Well, maybe. And threats written in capital letters using the English language. In the letters, the Zodiac took credit for five murders, two attempted murders, and a kidnapping, all in California in 1969 and 70. Well, um, the Lake Herman Road murders occurred in 1968, and the kidnapping must refer to the 1970 attempted abduction of Kathleen Johns. The self-proclaimed murderer made phone calls to, 
On September 27, 1969, a man audacious enough to call Napa Police the department around 7 p.m. and claimed that 45 minutes earlier he stabbed two people to death. One victim survived. That, of course, was the Lake Berryessa stabbing on September 27th of 1969. And not to... Not that this is even important, but I don't think the call came at 7 p.m. or even around 7 p.m. I believe the call came in at 7.40 p.m. But did this terrifying murderer ever come to South Lake Tahoe? Since August, South Lake Tahoe Police Tom Connor has been interviewing and reviewing a report compiled by Harvey Hines, a 66-year-old investigator from Groveland, California, who claims that Donna Lass was kidnapped and murdered by the Zodiac. Hines, a retired policeman who has been investigating the case since 1973, became interested in South Shore after the Zodiac sent a postcard to the media stating that he had claimed a 12th victim in the Tahoe area. He soon found two supplemental South Lake Tahoe police reports filed March 25, 1970 that piqued his interest. In these reports, a woman claimed she met a strange man at the International House of Pancakes on US 50 who wanted to read her astrological chart. You know, like strangely just putting in the address of Donna Lass's apartment and then later on looking around in State Line, Nevada, the absolute first thing that comes up on Google Maps is the International House of Pancakes IHOP. I have no idea why, but I was very quite very surprised. I haven't actually been to South Lake Tahoe, California, but it seems like there's nothing there at all other than um an IHOP. Uh, but um, I, I just thought it was weird that that was the first thing that um, comes up. You can see the Whole Foods, and they got a Safeway, and then an IHOP is right there. But um, I want to continue onward for that one. And I should also throw in the note that if that occurred in March of 1970, Donna Lass didn't disappear until September of 1970, so that's definitely... Um, a, an event that's happening prior. I know that um I know that's meant to be obvious. I just wanted to restate it. And continuing on with the article, Connor has gone over Heinz's report four times, but found holes in it that need to be reviewed. The report aside last week, the the report aside, yeah, last week Connor collected a blood sample from Lass's older sister Mary Pilker, sixty-six, and ran a check on Lass's social security card and nursing license. The blood sample was taken with hopes of finding a genetic match through the database maintained by the justice. There is always a possibility that her remains have been found and entered into the databank. You know, in the year two thousand, that was something because you'd have to think all of these unidentified human remains that could have been found, a John Doe, a Jane Doe. That means someone has found them. They just don't know who they are yet. So that's definitely the first step to do, but that was 21 years ago. So I don't believe that has uh, returned any results. Connor also received from the FBI a psychological profile of the Zodiac that he plans to study. While the work being done by Connor is appreciated, family members said they are not satisfied with the investigation. I haven't heard from anyone. It is quite a disappointment. Connor seems to be doing as much as he can, and he seems to be doing it all on his own time. Mary's son Don said the most frustrating thing to him is that two women are alive, and he thinks they can identify the Zodiac, but they have not been interviewed by law enforcement. One woman, Kathleen John, says she was a victim of the Zodiac on March 22, 1970. John's told police that 
she and her infant daughter escaped his grasp when they jumped from his car and ran into a field in Patterson, California. When she got to the Patterson police station, John saw a sketch of the man on the bull and said, that's him. The sketch was of the Zodiac Killer. Years later, Hines presented a number of photographs to Johns. The man she picked immediately was her abductor, and it is the same man Hines has suspected of being the killer for the last 24 years. That man is none other than Lawrence Kane, and if you didn't hear last week's, this week's uh, Zodiac Mondays episode, it was about Lawrence Kane and the murder of Dana Lull from 1974, another abduction. Lawrence Kane was identified by Kathleen Johns in that photo lineup, but I'm going to share something with you that is my own personal stance on the subject, not playing devil's advocate, not trying to weigh the merit of someone else's idea. I am horribly suspicious of Harvey Hines. Something about him bothers me. It's just that gut instinct. And when you hear that someone is asking anyone to pull a photo, to choose a photo out of a lineup, and they choose the one that they have, um, that they're desiring, like when Harvey Hines is arranging the lineup and then Kathleen Johns chooses his suspect, I'm just, um, I'm quite curious about how that went down, but when I say I'm suspicious of Harvey Hines's, I was using something on the AMA last week when I said, it's almost too perfect. I hate it when people use that expression in the English language, too perfect. How can something be too perfect, right? But that's what I'm going with here. If I had to go with my gut instinct, I'd say, it's almost like he's trying to make Kane fit too perfectly. Oh yeah, Kathleen Johns thought she was abducted by the Zodiac Killer, an incident which I don't believe was genuine Zodiac activity, mind you, and she points to Harvey Hines' suspect. All of these things about, um, I think that even those details in the report about the pen was dragged from the last word to the bottom of the page, um, I'm very suspicious of Harvey Hines. Have you ever had that moment when someone is telling you a story and then you're just like, wait a second, is that really true? You cannot explain every single reason why, but you go with your gut instinct and you're like, something about your story doesn't seem to add up. I can't quite put my finger on it, and I don't want to blatantly say that someone is fabricating their statements or they're falsifying anything. But I just, um, something about Harvey Hines rubs me the wrong way, and I think that he is crafting a narrative about Lawrence Kane. Another thing that I encountered when I was looking up articles about the disappearance of Donna Lass is numerous places on the internet were saying that Lawrence Kane worked in the Sahara Hotel and Casino at the same time of Donna Lass's disappearance. I really wasn't able to find anything certifiable that could, like, verify that, like, saying, like, okay, look, here's the uh, roster of um, employees, or here's the personnel file on Lawrence Kane, but um, from the Sahara Hotel and Casino, which is now the Hard Rock Hotel, allegedly, I hope I'm mistaken about that, actually, and that not every source is just uh, getting all that backwards, but um, I wasn't... Um, able to find anything that certifiable, and it just seems like a little bit larger than life. To compare the disappearance of Donna Lass to the 1974 abduction of Dana Lull, which Kane is also a suspect in, you can see that Donna Lass was allegedly abducted from the Sahara Hotel and Casino, but Dana Lull was abducted from a lover's lane. She was parked in a car with her boyfriend at the time, Roy Tophai, and a man approached them smartly dressed, even wearing driving gloves, holding a twenty-two caliber firearm, 
to the best of our knowledge. And we I can only say that because Dana Lowell was later on shot to death with a twenty two caliber firearm. Then they're ordered out of the car. Hori Tapai makes a run for it once he sees that the perpetrator is devoting all of his attention to Dana Lowell. And that perhaps is what saved his life. And then he was able to provide witness descriptions. But with the disappearance of Donna Lass, there just is, like, no evidence. I mean, maybe if we could see, firstly, a copy of that logbook and also photos of her car. It really appears, though, that a consistency among all of these articles is that she was, um, that her car is found at the apartment complex, wherever it is, and that there were no signs of tampering, there was nothing that was out of place in the car, nothing seemed beaten up, no, um, no evidence of any one trying to break in, caught the car wasn't hot-wired, the keys weren't left behind, all of that. And it is quite possible, if that final estimation that I found was correct, um, that the place is 16 minutes away, well, that is something that is much more reasonable for somebody to walk. Although, you know, a 25-year-old woman walking home at 2 o'clock in the morning, even a 16-minute walk like that, uh, that's, that isn't typical behavior of everyone, but people do things like that, and perhaps they thought that it was a safe, um, a safe area and nothing bad would happen. But let's just say hypothetically, and if, if, if right now, Let's say that Donna Lass was walking home from work at 2 o'clock in the morning. Let's say she did complete that log entry in her book, and then she just uh, went home without saying goodbye to anyone or without um, doing anything else. Let's just say that she was walking home at 2 o'clock in the morning. Absolutely somebody could have abducted her and done God knows what and brought her to God knows where. I mean, absolutely a vulnerable time of the night to be out. So there is also that to bear in mind. I would also like to point out that it does just seem like an enormous coincidence to you that Donna Lass is living in San Francisco near Presidio Heights. It seems like she's working in the Presidio doing some uh, nurse station work as well. And then later on, she goes on to become a an alleged Zodiac victim, or that the Zodiac is even writing in any type of taunting card after her disappearance. Granted, though, it's possible that was a forgery. Highly possible, actually. And as we've already laid it out, once when you hear the events happen in sequential fashion, it really is quite clear. First, there's just saying there's a crime that took place in Tahoe. Then they say, well, maybe it was the disappearance of Donna Lass. Then someone writes a card addressing Donna by name, so that could have been the intention of, um, or that could have been the explanation about how how and why the events have taken place that way. But the fact that Donna last becomes a Zodiac killer victim at all, and she's living so close to the uh, murder of Paul Stein, well, let's look at uh, some comments that have been posted on Web Sleuths. And this first one here comes to us from Trig, who says, I don't know, this seems to be a little far-fetched, but could also just be true. I am wondering if the Zodiac Killer did not know all of the victims. I mean, that could be a way to explain it. Why would Donna Lass end up, you know, so close to uh, the murder of Paul Stein, and then she's involved in her own major true crime story? Someone had a first-hand connection to her, and she was specifically targeted. 
And this uh, next commenter is named Richard, who says, I think it's entirely possible that the Zodiac may have known at least some of the victims. However, the seemingly randomness of some of his known murders would argue that he did not know others. For example, Paul Stein was a taxi driver who picked him up and drove him a few blocks to a red light where the Zodiac shot him. There were no cell phones then that the Zodiac could have used to call a specific cab, and it is most likely that he simply took the first one that he hailed at random. His other three attacks on young couples have a random element to them, with the possible exception of Darlene Farron's murder. This is the possibility that he... There is the possibility that he knew her according to various witnesses and to phone calls made to her parents' home following the shooting. In the Farron-Majot shooting, it is quite possible that... They were followed by the Zodiac to a place, and he shot them. To try and make a connection between Zodiac and Donna Lass, other than the peek through the pines letter, I would consider any possible similarities between her disappearance and the Farron Majot case. Well, you want to consider the similarities between the Blue Rock Springs shooting on July 4th of 1969. I can mostly highlight the differences, but I can get I can share one thing with you. That is, in the book, Zodiac Killer, Just the Facts, The Police Reports, that is, Darlene Farron was said by friends to regularly go to Blue Rock Springs Park. Even if she wasn't followed, someone could have known that she was going there, and it also appears that that was a place where people regularly went to buy drugs. But um, to keep going with Richard's comment here, Donna did live in San Francisco and worked at Letterman Army Hospital at the Presidio shortly before her move to South Tahoe, California. When the Zodiac murdered Paul Stein, he was very close to the Presidio, which may have which he may have entered on foot immediately afterward. If the Zodiac knew Donna, he might have met her in San Francisco and then went to Tahoe to kill her. If he did his homework, he might have known who her employer and landlord were. He could have followed her home. He could have followed her to her job, then to her apartment. But these are only speculations, and others others point out there is simply not enough information to go on. I mean, there seems to be an enormous amount of discrepancies in this. You could just provide the simple explanation that Donna Lass was walking home late at night, and some guy snatched her, forced her into a car some way, somehow. And I also find it difficult. Um, these things I was just reading off are from Websleuths. They're commenters, so not talking about them. But in the professional journalistic news articles... They often um, have enormous amounts of inconsistencies, and you really have to wonder, where does the truth uh, end and the fantasy-filled journalism begin? And I think that that's at just adding a layer on to the, um, to the clouds of uh, suspicion that's going on. And um, I found one article, only one, that was said the last sighting of Donna Lass was that she was seen walking with a man alongside a road. And um, I, I wish I could have found it again, but that's the only one that says that. I'm like... Did they? Did somebody actually say that, or did the writer of that article just make it up? Perhaps it's best I'm not actually giving out their name, giving them any type of credibility. But as far as similarities between um, the last abduction and the uh, Blue Rock Spring shooting, let's look at some of the differences. Number one, only a woman is present. The Zodiac Killer never targeted a single woman. I don't accept that the murder of Sherry Jo Bates or the abduction of Kathleen Johns are genuine Zodiac events, right? So, um, I mean, so says me anyway. So the Zodiac never targeted a single woman. The Zodiac never targeted anyone 
in their place of employment. The Zodiac never followed anyone home, whether it's at the apartment complex or the casino. The Zodiac Killer never did any of those things. The only way that I could see somehow, some way, somehow on God's green earth that the Zodiac Killer actually did this is the Zodiac commits the murder of Paul Stein, then walks into the Presidio and then sees somebody with a name tag that says Donna. Hi, nice to meet you. How's it going? And then learns her last name some way. And then maybe just because she's seen his face and she can recognize him. Or perhaps she was just a young, attractive woman that he wanted to uh, go after. If I can't have you, no one will. Always remembered her and then decided to target her for that specific reason. But as Richard wrote in that comment there, speculation, speculation, speculation. And I, th I think that this corner of YouTube is somewhat valuable to um, to share those types of ideas. But if anyone would uh, like to weigh in in the comments section, please share some things about the disappearance of Donna Lass. I would love to read your comments down below. If you like this episode, you can hit the like button. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you're welcome to do so. Anybody can write the show at blackboxall9radio at AOL.com. And there will be a special first cut of the of this episode on the disappearance of Donna Lass that will be available on Launchpad 1. Yeah, there are uh, two variants of it, and you'll hear the first uh, cut on Launchpad 1. And thank you for listening one more time. Feel free to visit the Teespring page, and I will see you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.